Welcome to Camden Cast. I'm Tandy. And I'm Erin. And this is the last episode of season one of our Camden Cast podcast. Well, like, we're not. No, seventh time podcast. We're not, like, splitting this into seasons, though. Yeah, we'll be. There's this no, is like, the last episode of season one of Seventh Heaven, which is called Dangerous Liaisons Part Two. Uh, so I'll just do the synopsis. Um,. Mary undergoes... Well, this is actually from Amazon. The Google synopsis was not good. Did not really tell you what happened. We didn't approve. This is from Amazon Prime, yeah. So, uh, Mary undergoes surgery after getting hit by a car, and Annie prays for strength to forgive her father. Even though she shouldn't be praying for strength because... She shouldn't have ever... Been mad at him in the first place. Yeah, she doesn't need to forgive him. He didn't do anything wrong. If anything, he should be asked... He should be forgiving her. So as I said last episode, Mary is dead. Um, yeah, it starts out very somberly, somberly, so, somber, sol- somber, solemnly. Whatever. It's um, lots of s words that mean sadness. Everyone is sad. Um, it um, is nighttime. Mary is not dead. Um, Mary is dead. Mary's definitely dead. <laughs> She's dead. Uh, it's nighttime, and it's got all the Camden kids except for dead Mary in the love den. Um, and it is night, and it is the same day as the accident, and they are waiting for, like, the phone to ring, and the kids are just having some back and forth because the, I don't know. Simon wants to be at the hospital with the rest of the family, but he's too young, and Matt agrees with the parents, and they're all, like, kind of getting up on Matt. Well, Lucy's like, like, oh, well, it must be really serious if you're towing the party line. And then... Simon says, whatever happened to Mr. Rebel, Mr. Bad Boy, and then... Rule Breaker. Yeah, Ruthie says, like, oh, Mr. Rule Breaker. And I just wrote again, Matt was never... Like, I feel like this this episode tries to, like, recap everything that happened in the entire first season. But Matt never was a Rule Breaker or, like, a bad boy. Every time that he lied, it was because he was, like, protecting someone else, and he wasn't really... I mean, that. I don't know. He's, he was yeah. never this bad boy. I don't know why they are trying to make him into something he's not. The Rev calls then um, from a payphone to uh, the house. He informs Matt that Mary is in surgery, um, and he's like, how's it going on that end? Tells the tells him... Oh, and then asks about... Back-to-life surgery. Yeah. Surgery. <laughs> um, they're, they're trying to resurrect her. They've got, gotten Dr. Frankenstein in. And, but, and um, the Rev, who is like, Jesus... Yeah. Okay. Rose people from the dead. Right. Back to the show. (laughs) Um, But this happened. I don't know what you were watching. But the Rev, who clearly has his priorities straight, decides to ask Matt about Heather. Like no, did he? Yeah, he's like, have you heard from Heather? And he's like, no. Like I don't think from like the conversation I had with her mother, I don't think I'm going to hear from her ever again. And then uh, he's like, oh, well, you should at least take the kids out to eat. There's this new place on 10th Street called The Cafe. <laughs> no, he said take them to The Cafe on 10th Street. So I thought, <laughs> all right, it's, you know, there's some sort of cafe that opened. Uh, so he takes some persuading. He doesn't want to go at first. And then finally the Rev is like, just get out of the house. Like, there's no point in you, like, waiting by the phone. Um, and then the cold open. Wait, no, that was, does the cold open end there? Yeah, I think so. Actually, I don't know where the cold open ends. I, was there even a... <laughs> no, there was definitely because uh, they, opening what, credits. What, what this episode really started with was uh, a last time on 7th Heaven thing, which never yeah. they never do, because most of the episodes can be viewed without any uh, context. So we don't know where the cold open end ended, but... 
I think that's where it ended. Um, because the next scene we have... Oh, yeah, because he goes, you have five minutes to... To get in the car. car. And then I think the cold open... And then I think the opening credits come on. And the next scene that I have is there's somebody at the door... And, it, <laughs> and and they're like, who is it? And you just hear a voice go, it's me. And Lucy and Simon are in, like, the foyer, and Lucy grabs a magazine off the table, which I'm pretty sure had Michael Jackson on it. It was a Time magazine. <laughs> and she's, like, trying to cover her hair, and we're like, oh, it's Jimmy Moon. And Simon opens the door, and he's like, uh, I f- no, wait, Simon asks again, like, wait, who, like, what's your name? Who are you? It's and Jimmy he's like, Moon. it's Jimmy Moon. You open the door, and Jimmy Moon starts talking about, I'm here to, like, see how your sister's doing. I heard about your sister's accident. But then he catches, um, like, a look at Lucy's hair, and it's like, what happened to your hair? And, of course, Lucy, being the absolute worst, goes, my sister's in the hospital, and all you care about is my hair. And then, and then she, she storms away because she's the worst. And, like, I understand that the Camdens were about to leave to go to dinner, but Jimmy Moon came over to get yelled at for, like, two seconds, and then Jimmy Moon leaves. That's it. Right, yeah. you did, And, and this does happen through it. Like, we, there, this happens a lot of times through the first season, too, where people just come over for, like, to come over to say something that they would have been better off just calling. And, right find out or to tell so anyway uh, we move to the hospital next and we find out that it was a hit and run um i mean i guess we could have inferred that in from the from the last episode because i don't know you hear the tires sc- like screeching so right. i guess that was them like accelerating um, wilson um, is there and he wants to find he's like oh do you have any information about mary camden and it's like only family can know information. And he's like, oh, well, that's good, because I'm her brother. And they don't even do anything right. to verify this, which I thought was very strange. And then they're just like, oh, of course, she's in surgery now. And while he, when he says that he's her brother, Grandpa Charlie right. comes up and is like over his shoulder. And then after she's done talking to Wilson, the, the, the nurse or the lady at the desk is like, oh, can I help you? And he's like, no, I think you've told everything I need to know to my grandson here. <laughs> and they have a conversation about, oh, I went on a first date with your granddaughter last night, and I just want this is the only way that I could find out information. Uh, and he's like, it's fine, like I know stuff. Uh, <laughs> I know what love's like. And then they run into um, the Rev, who was hitting a vending machine, trying to get food out, not really working for him. So he tell he uh, Grandpa Charlie asked the Rev how Mary's doing. And he's like, oh, or like how Annie's doing. And he's like, oh, you can ask Annie yourself. So the grandpa leaves. And then, um, sorry, I just left because I said the grandpa leaves. Um, And then the Rev is like trying to get, like, he's like, oh, you should probably leave too, Wilson, even though Wilson just got there. Wilson's like, oh. Well, he's like, I guess he doesn't want him like staying there all night or something because the Rev was like, oh, we're not going to know anything until later, so you should go home. And then Wilson was like, well, they wouldn't give me any information over the phone, so I came down here and I thought, like, maybe I could help you and Annie out because you can't get all of your meals from that thing, and he gestures to the vending machine. So the Rev is like, oh, a burger would be great. So Wilson goes out and to get them dinner. And then we get Grandpa walking into the room where Annie is, and Annie, the first thing she says is, I asked you not to come. And then... Grandpa goes, she's my granddaughter, Annie, my grandbaby. <laughs> it's like, he's like, I don't know, this actor has like a funny accent. So it's and a, you also, you like, you notice this first, but it's definitely true. He doesn't speak 
Oh, yeah, he doesn't really open his mouth when he speaks, so everything's kind of like an old man just trying to keep his mouth closed. And it just looks like he's constantly grimacing. Uh, I don't know if this scene happens after or before, but I think there's actually a break between this, and uh, we get the cafe. We go to the cafe. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's called the cafe, as I let slip earlier, and it has this hideous facade. It's just got flowers, like like roses painted all over it. um, And you go inside, and... It, we find out that it is a deaf cafe in that it's run by... Um, it's run and mo- mostly, like, patronized by exclusively, like, hearing impaired and deaf people, so... And, um, like, Matt realizes... And apparently they don't realize until they sit down. Yeah. So the hostess or whoever sat them, and was they didn't notice anything weird or, like, or, or different about, you know... Th- this restaurant from any other restaurant until they sat down and realized that nobody was speaking. And the Rev clearly had some... An agenda. Yeah. And everybody figures it... Well, everybody as in, like, Matt figures it out. He's like, damn it, Dad. Like, even at the hospital, you're able to, like, meddle or whatever. Yeah. Um, Then, yeah, we go back to the scene that Aaron was talking about. Sorry, I got too excited. My Um, grandbaby. (laughs) My grandbaby. But uh, in the middle of this argument that Annie and um, Grandpa Charlie are having... The Rev comes in because there is an update on Mary's condition. She's dead. <laughs> she's officially, she's, officially she's dead. She's still dead. Um, they're like, oh, they're moving Mary into the room, into back into a room. Um, into the morgue. And uh, we have this, like, very dramatic scene where Grandpa Charlie's like, I hope you'll do me the courtesy of letting me how she's doing, uh, letting me know how she's doing. And you have Annie stop in the doorway with her back turned to him. And she did do something with her head. Yeah, like, it was like, head like acting. acting. She, like, shook it, like, you know, a little bit, and then she continued, continued walking. Um, we then get Mary uh, unconscious on a hospital bed being rolled into her room. <laughs> <laughs> a very weird shot of that. And then when she's in the room, she slowly starts to, like, wake up, and the first thing she says is she's like, I smell hamburgers. Because, <laughs> because who's Wilson there? is creeping in the room with yep. the burgers. Uh... And then, like, the Rev is, like, a friend of yours delivers. <laughs> so, um... Oh, and then we have... She's kind of, like, just, like, you know, she's, like, just had surgery, so she's, like, you know, kind of, like, out of it. And she says something to Wilson. She's, like, oh, I hope your son wasn't too scared by the accident. And um, the Rev's they, like, he's, like, I think she means your your little brother. Um, but, you know, a little wink-wink. Uh, we all know. We're all in on the secret, uh, and the Rev and Annie are not yet, so... Um, right after that scene, or either right before it, we have a conversation between the Rev and Mary's doctor, where they're talking about how the surgery went, and the doctor's like, she did great, and I was like, but she didn't do anything. Well, but he was talking about how great her muscle tone was, and without her great muscle tone, who knows if the surgery would have gone as well. Oh, so just to update... And other things. Everyone. Mary didn't die. No, Mary obviously didn't <laughs> I die. But also that, the like, her surgery was for her leg. It was, like, a problem with her knee. Yeah, yeah, so... Uh, it took the brunt of uh, the hit, I guess, when she got hit by the car. Yeah. Um, the next thing we have, or the next thing I have written down, so you can stop me if this is not right, is... Um, uh, Grandpa Charlie uh, putting Ginger into a taxi to take her to the airport. Oh, yeah. So Ginger kind of decides, like, oh, I'm not welcome here. I should leave. Um, and while he's putting her in the taxi, oh, you got so, so, you got I so got, sad about this. I did, because Ginger, like, 
is so overwhelmed and so like affected by the fact that neither her kids nor um, Annie likes like their relationship so much that she's like, I think we should she's take a break. She's ready to call the whole thing off. Yeah, yeah, she's like, I think we should take a break and maybe in a couple of months if we're like still into each other, maybe we can start this out or things are better. And I'm like, oh, but you know she's gonna go home and get on like whatever those old like older people dating sites are. Oh, wait, no, it's 1997. They don't exist. Well, yeah, if they do, I doubt that these people of this age would be on them anyway. (laughs) Like, that they'd know how to use, you know, the internet and the computer. Um, so, yeah, so she, like, kind of, she goes, she she gets into her taxi, and the taxi drives away, and, and he's really sad, and he's, I don't know, it made, it upset me. I felt for a character on 7th Heaven for the first time, ever. So... Um, poor Charles. Oh, and then we have this ridiculous oh God, scene oh at the no. cafe. Yes. Um, because, uh, so, obviously, they're at the deaf cafe, so who's going to show up? Of course, Heather is going to be there because it's the, only pla- like, it's the only place that, all right, first of all, you said this too, you were like, Glen Oak has a huge deaf population if this is really, like, because this cafe was packed, like, pe- the door, you know, people were constantly coming in and leaving. Um, also, it's really presumptuous, because later in the episode, the Rev goes, well, I mean, like, the only deaf cafe, obviously, this is where everybody would go. But obviously, there's a huge, like, there should be more, like, things catering exclusively to deaf people, because there are a ton of deaf people in Glen Oak. So, of course, Heather shows up because she she probably eats there every night because, I don't know, she's, like, that's that's the thing to because do. Because the producers of 7th Heaven have absolutely no imagination <laughs> about the lifestyle of a hearing-impaired person. Yeah, yeah. so... <laughs> Uh, they show up, and then, you know, Matt's, like, telling the other kids, he's like, oh, hurry, hurry up and eat. Like, we, got, we have to go. Heather's here. Because now he's afraid to talk to her. Uh, and then Simon... He calls the waiter over. Yeah, like, I think they tell, like, they're trying to encourage, they're like, go talk to her. So Matt calls the waiter over and asks how to sign, I'm sorry. And, um, the waiter shows him, and then, all right, so then... Well, well, as as Matt's getting up to leave, Ruthie says, like, oh, I know some stuff from Sesame Street. And I was thinking in the last episode when he was asking Simon, I was like, this isn't really the age-appropriate sibling to be asking what they remember from Sesame Street. So uh, He goes th- up to Heather. And he does the sign. And I remember, I, t- I said this, I remember from, like, my first viewing, we will eventually find out what this sign actually means because whatever he did doesn't mean I'm sorry. It means, like, something else. Like, because the, there's two other girls with Heather, and they all start immediately start laughing at him um, for the sign he does. So I, I forget what it is, but it's it's something like... St- he basically, like, made fun of himself. Right. Um, and then after they start laughing... The rest of the Camdens kind of, like, see that happening, and Ruthie's like, oh, I know, I'll fix this, and she, like, runs and for after For some reason, them. everybody is, like, pleading with her. They're like, no, stop her, Ruth! Like, like some, she's going to do something horrible. And she and- runs up to the table where Matt's now standing, having made a fool out of himself, and she, he, she signs, he loves you. Which, first of all, is... Fucking ridiculous because they literally met two days ago. They've been on one date that ended disastrously, and he's in love with this chick. Well, I mean, that was just Ruth. I mean, she's like five, so you know, she just was trying but, like, to be this like, is oh, the thing he- that like starts their relationship because their next scene together, spoiler for like five minutes away from this in this podcast, is them like kissing. Yes, but okay, so that happens. Uh, the next thing is it's the next morning. Yes. Oh, my God. And so they're in the kitchen. 
as they are so frequently. And Lucy is still going on about her fucking hair because she's like, oh, Jimmy Moon, he saw it and he hated it. This is your fault. Oh, first her and Simon are having like a heated argument because Simon is like, I thought you would have more fun. And she's like, and she's like, this isn't any fun. And he's like, you still have a, you're still in a brunette state of mind. Yeah, he's like, this like is supposed to set you free. So you don't think, you don't like have to think about what other people think of you anymore. And she's like not having any of it. And then... Matt, I, th- I think Annie is like, oh, like, it doesn't, looks her, nice. does, doesn't her hair look nice? And then Matt goes, oh, um, it looks sexy. Looks kind of sexy. It looks kind of sexy. And first of all, number one, he shouldn't have said that because this is his 13-year-old sister. Two, um, she's oddly flattered by it, and she's like, oh, oh, he thinks it's sexy. And, and then he she wants st- more information. She's like, what kind of sexy? And then he, and then he like, doesn't really want to answer, so she goes, it's okay, any sexy is <laughs> fine. <laughs> And then the, the Rev walks in, and she asks him, do you think my hair is sexy? And the Rev is like, oh, of course not. You're, no. You're a 13-year-old well, and should not be having any sexy hair, and if you do, I will shave your head off. Yes. So... My whole problem with this scene is, besides Lucy, you know, being the worst... Wanting all of the, the like, her brother and her father yeah. to be like, do you think I'm sexy? Is that, like, you know... Mary's still in the hospital and like <laughs> now but like just because she's out of surgery I guess like it's back to it being the Lucy show because she shouldn't be like screaming her head off about her hair when there's other things at stake here yes um there's like then a brief scene which I didn't take any notes on between the Rev and Annie about her dad uh, Annie's forgiveness. St- yeah, Annie's being st- like Annie's still being stubborn, and the Rev has some choice words for her, like "You've already lost your mother, and I don't want you to lose your father too." Uh, yeah, and she makes like a face, like she's kind of like thinking about like, "Oh, you're right." I'm, you know, pushing. So maybe that's her like moment of realization. So the Rev shows up to um, the hospital. And all I wrote here was Jessica Biel's sunburn because <laughs> in this episode it was like, I guess they're filming it in like April, May, Southern California. It looks like Jessica Biel one day off went and she fell asleep at the beach because her especially in the hospital where like everything, she's like wearing a white shirt and then like the, the walls are white and like the pillow she's like resting her head on is white. She got some sun. Um, I lied. It wasn't the Rev. Uh, it's Grandpa Charles that shows up at the hospital. Yes. Um, and is he there first? He's there first. And then... So many people show up. And then the, the character that I hate the most shows up. Yes. It's I not also, Lucy, by the way. I also... Oh, wait. Who do... I really dislike... So it's Mrs. Bink. Gladys And I Bink. really dislike her, but she's not an everyday... like. I guess you can get away with being like, oh, she's not like a principal cast member. So she shows up enough that you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe she's in this episode. But she's not like Lucy where you're like, why does she have to be in every single episode? <laughs> but, like, my question is, why is she so- showing up to visit Mary? Like, none of the kids have come to visit Mary, but Gladys Bink has come to visit Mary. Um, maybe because of that time when Mary left school to go to her house. Oh, yeah. They, <laughs> they, they got really tight. They had such a connection. <laughs> but this old woman who you can't... Cannot... No, she's obviously got her eye on Grandpa Charlie. Yeah, the whole point of her in this Also, episode... we haven't done this in a while, but fashion break. Oh, um, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mrs. Bink was wearing... A dress that was like overalls, overall dress. I just remember Mrs. Bink's overall dress. So, 
it it her, was ridiculous. Her entire like reason for being in this episode is to like be the reason that um, Grandpa Charlie like makes every decision that he makes for the rest of the episode. Um, I don't know if I'm skipping around here, but all the all the only thing I know is that she like has a conversation with Grandpa Charlie saying, oh, you know, like, I had a man that I was in love with and I let my daughter run him away and now I'm, like, alone forever. Which might also be because she talks like she's drunk all of the time. Okay, wait. So in one of these conversations, this was the conversation. Um, you did skip... We, we skipped one scene, but we can go back to it because this logically... They dragged out Mrs. Binks' role in this yeah. episode way longer than they should have. Um, so, like, at, at a certain point... So they're they're visiting Mary, then they... Another scene cuts in, and then it shows them outside of the hospital or outside no, of the hotel. Out. For some reason, Mrs. Bink goes to the hotel with. She with, um needs. She drives. Oh, him. she drives him. Yeah, um, and she says she's going to drive him to the airport. But while they're standing outside of the hotel, which is a different hotel facade than the hotel facade from the previous night when he was like uh, putting Ginger in the car to for her to go to the airport. So Mrs. Bink starts this conversation with, like, you know, her normal kind of like drunk speak um did you have there was there you had like a quote written or something that would oh no i didn't write it oh all right there was one where she was like they're all nuts like yeah yeah, yeah. but but oh yeah she's talking about like how he's talking about how annie is having like a hard time with all of this and like then she says they're all nuts in yeah. response to, I but, guess, the Camden's. But she goes from being, like, drunk, and then she starts to, like, switch in a southern accent. So I, I'm starting to think that this was just a choice. This, like, this actress, this wasn't her voice. This was the choice on her, like, acting. It was an acting decision she made that she was like, oh, this is what old people sound like. But she couldn't even hold the accent that she settled on, so she just goes in and out from drunk to southern. But the point is that Gladys Bink... Uh, Saves the day. Yeah, she says, uh, don't let, like, don't let your children, uh, like, ruin your love life or whatever. And so he's like, thanks. And he gets into the taxi and goes to the airport, and we're never going to see Grandpa Charlie ever again. Um, So, um, in between those scenes, we get Lucy at school. And because her brother has said her hair is sexy, she's now... She's all confident. Yeah, she's walking on sunshine. And Jimmy's like, are you sick or something? She runs into Jimmy Moon, and she, he's like, are you sick or something? And she's like, no, I just, you know, I'm, I'm feeling free about my hair. And then Jimmy Moon is like, you know I encourage exploration of the self, but this is like, I wouldn't make a change like this without consulting you first. Like, this is so drastic. And then she goes, but you like, you like impulsive girls, um, and I'm being impulsive here. And he's like, no, I like impulsive brunettes. Yeah. Um, Which, nothing up until this point has shown that Jimmy Moon would like an impulsive girl. He seems himself to really like everything to be very calculated. Um, And then... Then they break up. Yeah, no, they break up. And... This is it. Now he's he's free. He's available for anyone out there. But, um, gotta say here that Jimmy Moon used to be, like, one of the things that, like, saved episodes for me. But he was being an asshole here. I also think his, like, his character just totally, like... Flipped. Yeah, like it was he, completely he, out of character for him. He just kind of like at first he was like, you know, I encourage exploration of the self. Okay, we were like going, you know, run of the mill Jimmy Moon, and then by the end of it, he was kind of like hysterical. He's like, okay, well, like I'm not gonna, we're not gonna date anymore. Bye. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I think it was just ridiculous that he was like, I wouldn't make this change without consulting you. I was like, I'm a hundred percent sure Jimmy Moon would never like consult yeah. anyone on anything in his life. 
Yeah. So? Um, so uh, now Annie's at the hospital, and they have their, the, the, Annie and Mary have this short conversation about Wilson. Um, Mary thinks that Wilson's pretty special. Oh, because Wilson sent flowers. Oh, yes. Um, and Annie's, and so she's asking for Annie's advice. Like, have you ever thought, like, a guy's really special before? And, of course, she says the Rev was like, she was like, I'm one for one because your father. Mm. And she's like, oh, do you think that Wilson fits into that category? And Annie's like. Well, he's doing, like, a good job so far. She says something because he sent the flowers, so. But, like, Aaron pointed out when we were watching this episode that Mary's still 14, and they're talking about, like, Wilson's the one for her. Oh, yeah, that too. I was like, well, she's going to be 15 real soon. Uh, She's got to be 15 before season two starts. There's no way that we would go a full calendar year and she would not age. So, um... Speaking of Wilson, the next scene is Wilson and Billy uh, visiting the Rev at church. Yes, and I thought it was strange at the beginning of the scene that nobody at this point had caught on. Like, wow, Wilson... Why do you bring your little brother everywhere you go? Um, so he just goes and he tells this story about a friend who was 15 and he was dating a 16-year-old girl with a car and he started to think he was pretty cool. So he thought that he'd... And then he's like, go ahead and have... And then he just doesn't say anything. And then like there's like a pause and the Rev looks at him and he's like, sex? And then Wilson's like, I didn't think I should say sex in here because it's the church. Shouldn't say sex um, in the church. So then he's like, ooh, and then that girl got, you know, and the, oh, no, the Rev says it, and he's like, so now he's got a 16-year-old pregnant girlfriend, and he's like, yeah, so they got married with the permission of their parents because the guy thought that was the right thing to do, and then the girl died in childbirth and gave him, like, an amazing, you know, son, and then, the you son know. The son is named Wilson Jr. Well, like, it, it, pans to, it pans to Billy, and then, you know, the Rev looks at Wilson and goes, Billy? And then he goes, actually, Wilson Jr. <laughs> so the Rev actually did finally catch on throughout the, the slow telling of the story that the friend was actually Wilson. And then he's like, oh, but I'd really still like to date Mary, and I just want to be honest with you and Mrs. Camden that I'm a teenage father. And if that, wait, oh, what yeah. is the thing he says? He's, he's like, like, if there's anybody, if, you if know there's anybody who knows more, more about the consequences of premarital sex, I'd like to meet him. And I was like, I don't know what this means. What? Why? And also, this story makes it sound like they had sex once and then she was pregnant, just like Renee. Like this, like whole you have premarital sex just the one time, and it can lead to. Pregnancy. I don't know. This this wasn't so much like that. I didn't think. Okay. Also, to the point where they're always like, uh, they always specify they're like premarital sex, and that's always the cause. When it's like, why weren't they just like, oh, we didn't use birth control ever, and now, like, you know, we were doing nothing to prevent pregnancy, and then she got, like, the fact that it is premarital has nothing to do with the fact that there's a child that, like, that she got pregnant, so. Yeah, just, just people that have premarital sex are and, and the show, children. the show never addresses that. They're just like, this is what's causing it. No, nothing else. Because a good Christian family value show can't talk about birth control, even though it's on the WB. Like, I feel like people forget that this was on at the same time as Dawson's Creek, which was, like, heavy into the sex. <laughs> like, the sex. And, like, um, Felicity, which was also... Yeah. Like, WB is not, like, some sort of, like, super, um... Well, this was one you're supposed to watch... Conservative channel. ...with the family, but also it's, like, very much, like, an, like, abstinence, like, education, like, and... I don't know. Um, it just seems... 
irresponsible on the part of Brenda Hampton, um, especially looking at her work after this in Secret Life where they would say sex about 60 times an episode. Um, so the next scene is Heather waiting um, by a car for Matt, who's just exited the school. They greet each other with a kiss, which also... Okay, I guess they're together now. Also, Heather doesn't go to the school. Mm-mm. So. <laughs> Why was she there? I don't. I guess she was there to pick Matt up. Um, no, because she was in her own car and he had his car. I don't even. All right. So anyway, Michael Towner, we, we, we get his name again in this episode, his last name, comes over to Matt while he's like talking to Heather and he's like, oh, how's Mary? And Matt like gets, I forget what he, he just gets angry for some reason. He's like, reason. why would you care? It's like, oh, you know, like, I'm sorry about the accident. And Matt's like, wait, it was your fault? And he's like, oh, I didn't mean to hit her. And he starts, and Matt's like, oh, it was you. Because they're still, like, the conversation throughout the episode is still like, oh, no, they don't know who did it. Um, So then Matt gets into, like, a fist fight with this kid. Well, he goes, Michael goes... Matt's clearly upset and, like, clearly about to, like, hurt this guy. And Michael's like, you can kill me, but don't kill me here because, like, I don't want you to get suspended because that's going to be on my conscience, too. But I was also like, oh, but he, his conscience after he's dead? But, like, how does that make any sense? Like, yes, you can beat the shit out of me, but just don't do it here. Like, how, like, guilty is this dude? I mean, I guess he's pretty guilty because Matt's like, I don't give a shit. And then, like, they get into a fist fight. And Heather is, like, disgusted by this. So she, like, drives off. Um, there is a teacher that comes around. It's like, what's happening here? And, and Michael's Mike, like, I fell. And she's like, and your face broke the fall. And he's like, yeah. And uh, Matt was just helping me up here. So no one gets in trouble. Nope. And Matt turns around, and he's surprised that Heather left. But we find out, you know, later. So then we have... Oh, then we have... <laughs> then we have... Um, this weird scene where Ruthie comes in to, um... Oh, God. (laughs) I wasn't even going to talk about this, but But go on. Okay, so Ruthie's like, I have a surprise for you to Annie. And Annie's like, oh, is it, like, ferret surprise or is it, like, a nice picture? And she just goes, yes. And, um, Annie closes her eyes and, like, holds her hands out. Uh, and Ruthie's like, okay. And then you see her, of course, walking in with Grandpa Charlie. And then she takes Grandpa Charlie's hands and puts them into Annie's hands. And her eyes are still closed. And she still doesn't know what, like, it's like a grown man. Like, how do you, so your hands are, your your eyes are closed, but your hands are holding somebody's hands clearly. And they're not Ruthie's hands. So how did you not, like, why weren't you, like, flinching or at least, Or why didn't you open your eyes to see who it was? So then she, and then so Ruthie goes, open your eyes now. And she does. And it's Grandpa Charlie, and Ruthie's like, I did good, right? She's like, so good, so good, this is great. Anyway, they have their, like, moment of, like, making up with each Happiness. other. Yeah, where, like, they both forgive each other. She's yeah. like, I'm not going to let you run uh, Ginger away if Ginger will have me back. Um, this is really important to me. And Annie's like, I-, I shouldn't have acted that way. Blah, 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 blah. Everyone's happy. Yeah, um... Then we have Michael Towner visiting Mary uh, and, with a teddy bear. Um, and, and he tells her, well, she's like, oh, what happened to your eye? And then he's like, I hit you, blah, 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 I didn't do it on purpose. Um, and she's like, uh, A teddy bear mm-hmm. isn't going to fix, like, uh, any of this. And, he's, and, like, and then he's, like, reformed. He's yeah. like, I was a jerk. I shouldn't have taunted you at the pool hall, and I shouldn't have done... 
all the, you know, just like classic bully, like, oh no, I've realized the error of my ways because I've really hurt someone this time. And he's like, oh, you'll see, I'm different now. And when this is happening, um, Wilson comes in um, and he apologizes to Wilson also for like hassling him at the pool hall. Um, Michael leaves. And oh, before Michael leaves, though, Mary's like, I don't hate you. Um, which is fine. Yeah. I think these people are too good for the world. And then Wilson is like, how's the wheel? Learn to hold a grudge. Come on. Um, yeah, but, and by Oh, it's okay. Matt holds the grudge. Um, they have a moment where she's like, he's like, I told my dad about Billy. She's like, okay. Uh, but you know, what we really have to deal with is my mom. Like, she's the one that's. She's the tough one. Yeah. Sue. Um, then we have, uh, Lucy. In the Lucy position, <laughs> she's in her bed crying, and the okay Simon and Ruthie are listening outside the door, and then the Rev comes up and is like, "What's going on?" And her they crying say, is so loud that they can hear it through the door. And then the Rev is, and then they're like, "Oh, Lucy's crying," and the Rev is about to go in there, and Simon's like, "Wait, I I, I made this happen." So Simon is really taking a great deal of responsibility in this this whole plot line of the. The hair dyeing. So I, like, take back what I said last episode about it maybe being some sort of, like, retribution for, like, getting rid of the Cosmo. I truly think he was, like, He thought looking, it was going to look good. Yeah, I think he was looking out for, like, Mar- for Lucy's best interest and was just like, this will look good on you, so you should do it. Which is so strange that he would just have this thought one day. Like, yeah, Especially because, I don't think I mentioned this in the last episode, but this is definitely the first time Lucy and Simon have interacted at all, I feel like, on this show. Yeah, Lucy primarily had been interacting with... Uh, like Matt and Mary, yeah. As far as the siblings go, um, but this is really the first time that they've really interacted. So um. Simon goes in and like sits on the bed and is like, "Oh, Jimmy Moon. I never really liked Jimmy Moon." Well, first we find out that Jimmy Moon went out with Ashley to the varsity. <gasps> yes. Uh, oh, and and Lucy's crying because she's like, "Everybody at school is going to know we broke up, and tomorrow's going to be the worst day of my life again." Every this day is like is the, the worst day of her in, life. in twenty-two episodes. This is like the. I don't know. Fifth the fifth, the, yeah, the, the, maybe even. Like, well, I had, was gonna go double digits. Like this is like the tenth worst day of her life she's had. Well, she even goes. She's like, and I don't have a best friend to talk to, and my sister isn't here. I'm like, your best friend had to move because her mom moved, and your also, sister you had, isn't here because she just had surgery. Also, like, you had a best friend for like three weeks. <laughs> so calm the fuck down. But yeah, that's when. Um, so Simon is like, oh, we never liked. I never liked Jimmy Moon. Because when you stormed away, when he said he didn't like your hair, he didn't follow you. Which is like, and Dad always follows you. And I was like, ooh, she's telling, well, he's telling her to get a man like her daddy. Which doesn't mean that uh, Simon never liked Jimmy Moon. He just stopped liking Jimmy Moon a day ago. Yes, um, and it's pretty much about a decision that Simon made. Like he's yeah. like, I didn't like that he didn't like my decision <laughs> that you should dye your hair. And she, go- he goes like, no matter what, you'll still be the weepy, wacky Lucy we all know. And love, but not So, love. and then Simon's like, well, I'm down the hall, so... Like, yeah, because she's like, when did you get so smart? Yeah, she's like, no, oh, nobody compares to Mary or Suzanne. Okay. <laughs> um, so... Then we have um, Annie reading the Bible in bed. <laughs> and Matt comes in, and she's like, oh, Mrs. Towner called. So Annie co- got wind of the fight, and... She just lectures Matt on being, like, a good, responsible man and that they don't res- handle things with violence in that family, blah, blah, blah. But I got to say, like, why aren't, 
the Rev and Annie, like, also reacting in some extent to what he did. I thought it, re- it really gave the impression when Matt found out that he was the first one to find yeah, out. Yeah. Because when they were in the hospital, somebody, like, I think it was Michael, Michael Towner was like, oh, your parents aren't pressing charges, but right. your brother did. And I'm like, how quickly did this news travel back to the Rev and Annie that they're like, oh, never mind, we're over it now. Right, like, I, it's still a hit and run, which is still, like, an yeah. offense that's against the law. So it can't just be like... And they're very much... Um, the Rev and Annie are very much... I don't know. Like I feel like the Rev would be more protective. I feel like the... the I was going to say the Annie. <laughs> I feel like Annie would freak out and be like, oh my god, this boy belongs in jail. Right, Like, and they're not... But they're just like Michael Towner. He's going to see the error of his ways. Everyone's everyone's focused on like, oh, well, now he's really going to learn his lesson. So he's he got his. Just like they didn't really react when Michael Towner was sexualing, uh, sexualying Mary the, like a few episodes ago. They're very sympathetic to Michael Towner. I don't understand why. Because uh, he has a square head. I don't understand. Um, so. The next scene that I have is it's the morning after. Um, Mary's coming home, and uh, just like Ruthie surprised um, Annie with Grandpa Charlie. Oh my God, Annie has surprises set up all over the house. Annie has a surprise for Grandpa Charlie in the form of I guessed it before she even showed up. You, you saw them going to the door, and you were like, "It's gonna be Ginger," and it was Ginger. Ginger's here. And, oh, look, they're not broken up anymore. And now I stopped caring. And also, she flew back again. Yeah. Another instance of grandparents flying to Arizona just to fly right back, wasting their money. Like, Grandpa was coming home, like, a day later. So if I were Ginger, I'd be like, no, I'll see him tomorrow. Like, (laughs) I'll pick him up in the airport and it'll be fine. We skipped a scene, though. There's a scene somewhere in the middle here where um, Heather and Matt were going to meet up for a date at the The cafe. cafe. Um, And so they do meet up, even though Heather stormed off earlier in the day. And I don't understand the scene here that really happens. She hands him a note. Is it, like, her address at the school or something and she's like i suppose it's like oh you have to you write me i don't really like hearing the own, like the sound of my own voice she oh yeah like she talks. speaks and and matt's like oh <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful your voice is beautiful. well yeah she's like i don't like the way i don't i don't really know what my voice sounds like so uh, you know i don't i don't really speak that often and then as she's like walking away he's like beautiful it's beautiful <laughs> but like i also don't understand the point of that scene because then later on as we as Aaron mentioned, Annie has a lot of surprises in the house. Um, apparent, so she goes to Matt after like Ginger and Charlie have their reunion. Like, oh, by the way, uh, Heather's mom called. Uh, she said that Heather's leaving. Well, she she pretends she doesn't know. Yeah. She's like, oh, I forget what the message was, and like Matt's like, oh, come on, please, like, please remember. And she's like, oh, she's going back to school, and uh, oh, she's in the living room. <laughs> so. <laughs> He goes out to the love den, and Heather's there. Uh, Heather is teaching Lucy sign language, specifically how to say blondes have more fun. Um, Very important phrase. Yep. Um, they meet, like, they don't even speak, and they kiss. And they're made up. I don't, I guess they're, like, back together. Yeah, and I, her whole point of, like, them breaking up was, like, we don't really know each other, so let's write each other when I'm at school, and then maybe I'll come back from the summer, and, you know, we'll see each other again. Um so then? Well, while this is happening, simultaneously at the hospital, um, Mary's being discharged, but, like, as she's being discharged... Um, she's talking about her re-plan, rehab plan, and the doctor's like, okay, yeah, and she's like, and then I'll be playing basketball again, and the doctor's like, oh, yeah, and they wheel her out of the room. 
And the Rev is like, oh, you're not telling us everything realist. Like, tell me. Actually, he starts, like, yelling at the... The yeah. Doctor and him start yelling at each other. Um, we don't actually learn what happens here because the scene cuts off on purpose, not... I'm, I'm sure it cuts off on purpose. Uh, but the next thing that we No, have, he does say it. No, he's just like... The uh, Doctor does say... He goes, like, oh, her recovery's gonna... I think it was supposed to imply... Yeah, it does The Doctor says, like, her recovery... recovery. Her, yeah, it's not gonna be... It's gonna be slower than we thought. But there's no other information on it. Um, because then in the car, um, Mary's like, what did the doctor really tell you? Like, you have to be honest with me. You're like the wor- a worse liar than Lucy is. Um, and there's this very heartfelt scene where he's like, well, uh, after you get out of the wheelchair, you'll be in crutches for a while. And after the crutches, I guess then we'll see if you're able to play basketball again. So they're not quite sure. If she'll ever play basketball again. And everybody's crying and about it. Well, well everybody, everybody being in, like, Mary and the Rev in the car. Well, Mary's crying and the Rev seeing His that. His eyes get all red. And they have this heartfelt scene, which is really not that heartfelt, but basically that, oh, you're fearless, Mary. Like, if anybody can do it, like, screw the doctors. Like, we'll prove them wrong. And she's like, do you really think so? He's like, yeah, I think so. And they hug and she's like, don't tell anybody else about this. Yeah, they, like, got to pull themselves together before they go. And then they go out to the backyard. And this is the very last scene Where the there's a sign. It says, welcome home. Which is crooked. I think that's supposed to be, like, you know, the kids put it up. It's supposed to be a little touch of heart. And Ginger and uh, Grandpa Charlie are there. <laughs> and Heather and Matt. Are there. And, uh, and then the rest of the Camden's are there. Is Wilson there? Yeah, wait. Wilson's there, too. Wilson's <laughs> there. Um, I don't, didn't see, don't remember Billy being there, but I think Wilson was there. Yeah, and it's just a big old party, and as soon as they get... Yeah, because Wilson throws yeah. the Wilson's holding a basketball, and then well, as soon as they wheel Mary in, he runs over and he she's like, "Ah, oh, give me the ball," and then he passes it, and then she start they start all playing, all like, wait, so we got seven, eight, nine, ten, 11, all eleven of them are playing start, a game, start playing basketball, and well, first it's just like the kids, and then Annie, the Rev walks over, and Annie's like, "What aren't you telling me?" Uh, yeah. And and uh, the Rev is like, "She might not ever play basketball again." And then she looks over, and Mary is in the wheelchair shooting the basketball, and she's like, "What do they know? She's playing basketball right now." Um, and the last shot is all of them like getting on to it's like, an overhead yeah. shot of all of them playing basketball. The whole of fam, them, like including Ginger and Grandpa and Heather and Heather and Wilson. <laughs> Yes. And th- this is it. This is... This, this is it. This is a wrap on season it. one. This is it. That, that's, that's it. That is season one of Seventh Heaven. Wow. Where sports are actually sports. <laughs> the, finally. <laughs> so how does it feel? Um, let's start season two. <laughs> wow. I, I am excited for season two. Um, but actually, did you think you would make it this far? Did you? I, you know what, I gotta say, there were points throughout, like, this recording where I was just like... Why am I doing this yes, to myself? exactly. And, and, and then, like, thinking about the sheer number of episodes that are left, I would be like, I've really committed myself to something pretty big bigger, here. Th- bigger than yourself. Yeah. But then, like, I don't know, when there's good episodes to watch, it's a lot of fun. And when we're recording, I really actually, like, enjoy myself. Um, so... I really enjoy the viewing much more than I do the recording, but... You know, yeah. Well, I have like a very inflated uh, sense of self-importance, so I like that I'm being recorded. And well, I think that anyone who starts a podcast has (laughs) some sort of degree of inflated uh, sense of self-worth. So, yeah, um, I'm giving this episode 
four. I'm gonna give it a four as well. I'm giving it the, actually. I want to kind of. I want to increase this last episode to like a four point five and give this a four. I think season two is gonna see us really introducing the the mittens factor. The eight. Oh wait! Speaking of mittens. Oh oh yes. Okay. So when Miss Mrs. Bink goes to the hospital, she um says casually she has flowers and she casually says to. Uh, Mary. Mary, oh, you know, I brought you flowers. I got these from Mrs. Hinkle's garden, and I just said to Tammy, I was like, uh, that's Mittens. She just took these flowers. So it's kind of like Mittens was in this episode. So um, that was nice. We liked that. I really, I was flowers really excited Flowers from about Mittens. That. Like, uh, Mittens, I was so excited. Mittens, Mittens cares about Mary so much. She does. This, <laughs> she let Mrs. Bink steal her flowers. Um, so, yeah, I really... I. So, so I can't believe we made it so far. I'm really excited for season two, especially because you've been kind of, like, talking up the fact that season two is a lot better. Um, well, I mean, every time, you know, we've kind of laid season one, laid the foundation, got, you know, all the characters introduced. Of course, with every season, Ruthie gets older. Yes. So that's kind of what, like, I'm, like, excited to get to, like, season six, seven, eight, like, you know, um, not so much nine, ten, eleven. Uh, <laughs> but... Yeah, I, I, seasons two and four are very memorable, so those are the ones I'm, I'm looking forward to. I really don't remember anything from well, season three. Well, I'm excited three. to see what... I know Wilson plays, like, a, he's, like, on the show for quite a while, so... Or for or longer not. than for longer than most. For I remember from, like, my... Yeah, he's not, like, a Richard. Yeah. Um, who, we have no idea what happened to him. Poor Richard. He was... <laughs> they were dating, and then now, like, he, did he ever learn how to read? <laughs> Maybe we'll find out in season two. Maybe he'll show up and there'll be fisticuffs. Yeah, maybe he'll fight Wilson. Um, Mary's heart. All right, so... Should we rate the season overall? Or should we wait until we watch another season? I think we should wait until the end of season two so we can kind of compare them because... Okay, okay. So thank you all to the listeners who stayed with us, too, for 22 episodes. This is huge. We're looking forward to coming back at you on, you know, well, Saturday, Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve. And, and uh, uh, we'll be adding some new elements to our episodes, our podcasts. So look out for that. Yeah, yeah. Get hype. Segments going to be more consistent. Yeah. Looking forward. All right. Um, so all the things we always say, rate, subscribe, review, Follow us us on Facebook. Well, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Camdencast Show, Camdencast.tumblr.com. Maybe send us an email and be like, "Season one was terrible. You're the worst. Stop doing this. Save yourselves." Okay, um, I'm Aaron and I'm Tanvi, and this was Camdencast. Bye.